0: sunny palm springs california you're listening to Chomp. thank you to our sponsor this week aids assistance program aap needs your help to expand its mission of providing nutritional support to low-income people living with hiv and aids beginning in january the program will be offered to those with other chronic illnesses for more information visit aidsassistance.org So in college, like anyone else, I lived with a guy who had no idea how to cook. I mean no idea. We're talking things like Chef YRD mixed with Easy Mac. The peak of this futility was when he would make quote-unquote Asian food, which was actually just rice and chicken mixed with soy sauce. It was not very good. My friend is just an example of a behavior that plagues many kitchens. For one reason or another, people are often intimidated by cooking their own Asian food. Instead of making their own Asian dinners, they'll do takeout or some variation of broccoli, rice, and noodles, like my friend. But you don't have to be like him. Cooking good Asian food at home isn't difficult, and if you believe the words of our guest today, Adam Palfi, it's actually pretty easy. Palfi is one of the brightest young chefs in the Coachella Valley. We'll be talking to him about how to make everything from fried rice to sushi at home, his journey, and what it's like to cook for a chain. I'm Everett Cook, and you're listening to CHOMP. let's get into this. What's, the, what's kind of the thing that people don't really realize about cooking Asian food at home that they should? Well, a- Asian food should be very, very simple, you know,
1: especially when it comes to Japan, for instance. You know, it's very simple but elegant all at the same time. And what Asian food really has is a complete balance of flavors. So yeah, you have your salty soy sauce, you know, your vegetables and you know your, your rice and stuff like that. But you also have a lot of sweet, spices, you know, savory things and it really gets your sweet, your spicy, your bitterness. It all depends on what you're looking for and what type of Asian cuisine you're really into. You know, I mean, you can go to like a PF Chang's and do like the orange chicken or a Panda Express like that. Um, yeah, there's soy sauce in there and they have the broccoli, but they also have some sweet, sugar, orange, things like that. You mean you can go to Thailand or Vietnam, get some spices and some curries in there. So it all depends on what you want, but it's it's really a lot easier than what most people think. Yeah. So, I mean, you take a couple of small ingredients. When it comes to Asian food, I would always have ginger, garlic, green onions. It's like the trinity to what we have in, here in America, which would be carrots, onions, and celery, or the trinity down in the south, like New Orleans, which would be celery, onions, and peppers. Okay. So you always want to have those in there. And, yeah, you can do soy sauce. You can do hoisin, which is a great thing. It, all, it adds a very nice salt component, but it also adds some sweet, too.
0: You know, because it all depends on what you really want to do. I think to a certain extent, Asian food has kind of a, uh, I don't know, stigma maybe around it, that it's, that it's difficult. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with sort of sushi chefs and kind of the elegance of that kind of cooking. Now, sushi, for instance, yeah, a
1: lot of people think that's very difficult, but it's not. It's very difficult to become a professional sushi chef because there's a lot of apprenticeship going and they're very particular on how they want it. It's very simple, but it's very, very elegant. I mean, you take regular rice, cow rows or some sort of, you know, medium grain rice. You can do long grain, but it really doesn't come out the same. Okay. You cook that off and you cut it with a little bit of vinegar. So that's where you get some extra flavor. And what I mean by cut it is you take your vinegar and you pour it over your rice and you take like a flat wooden spatula or a rubber spatula and you just kind of do a cutting motion, which will kind of help integrate that vinegar into the rice and which also make it a little stickier and easier to play with. Mm. Now, you don't need to have, you know, the perfect la- layer of rice because in traditional sushi, they want one kernel of rice, like, high, like, perfect. You don't need that at home. I mean, if you're doing sushi at home with friends or guests, the fact that you're able to do it is going to be impressive <laughs> enough. You know what I mean?
0: As long as you have the basic idea. So you have the vinegar, rice, and then you, you're you kind of chopping it, but it doesn't have to be as perfect as it would as in a traditional no sushi.
1: It doesn't. You just have your layer of rice. You flip it over so you have the rice on the bottom and the nori on top, and you can fill it with any kind of fish you want.
0: Let's just say I'm, I'm one of these people, and I, you know, I eat out Asian food maybe once or twice a week, but I can't figure it out at home. You said the holy trinity, so I should be picking up green onions, garlic, ginger, and ginger. Yep. And I get those three things. What's my next step? How do I how do I kind of go from very basic to maybe a little more kind of restaurant like? Not that you're gonna give away your secrets, but
1: so, something really easy that you could do, you know fried rice, for instance, a lot of people think fried rice is very difficult, you know, and I feel like everyone nowadays has a nonstick pan yeah you know which is which is great so what I would do you know, take some rice that you cook that day or the day before, get a nonstick pan um, ingredients that you're going to want to use are rice, you know the holy Trinity, if you like spicy stuff like I do, some jalapenos or some serranos, thinly sliced chicken, you know sesame oil, hoisin soy sauce you know basic ingredients like that. You want to throw eggs in there? Yeah, go ahead throw eggs in there too so you okay. really get the whole t- kind of traditional style fried rice. So, you know, you would start with, you know, sesame oil. Now, the thing about sesame oil is it has a lot of flavor, but it can be very overwhelming. So, you take a little bit of sesame oil, you know, which is rather inexpensive at the store and a little bit of regular oil, whether it's canola oil, vegetable oil, combine it so that way you don't have too much sesame flavor in there and kind of kills everything else. Okay. You know, then you're you're going to saute your vegetables, your ginger, your green onions, and this is all on high temp, so it's going to be very, very quick, and then you're going to throw in your rice, you want to fry that up, and then you're going to add your, your thinly sliced chicken, which will cook literally in two to three minutes, as long as you have really high temperature panware. Okay. You get that nice and hot, you cook it in, then you add your sauces at the end, because you don't want sauces to burn, like your hoisin, your soy sauce, and that's pretty much it. I mean, it's really, really simple. And at the very end, you can throw in some more green onions for some flavor, or what I have really come to enjoy is cilantro. It adds great flavor. It's got a wonderful smell to it. And as always, you're always going to eat with your eyes and your nose first. So if you have that and you smell it and you see it, it's going to have some beautiful color. That smells going to come off your plate. And I mean, you can really, really make, if you have all your stuff ready to go, you know, like your vegetables chopped up, your chicken sliced, you can have fried rice bread to go in 10 minutes rather than sitting there and trying to do you know, a big dinner, which is going to take thirty minutes to prep, another thirty minutes to cook, and then you have all these things to clean up. Where with Asian food, a lot of times everything's mixed into one. Right, right. So I, I wouldn't call it a casserole like a lot of people would, but it makes it easier rather than having to clean up. Have one pot, really hot, ready to go.
0: Last thing about, about cooking at home: is there any sort of equipment or anything like that that you think that is worth kind of the investment?
1: If I were to say any kind of particular Asian equipment, I would always have a wok. Always have a wok on hand. Just makes it easier to kind of toss fried rice or stir fries or anything like that. A lot of people try to be fancy and, and toss their stuff, but if they're not used to that motion, they can get messy. But with a wok and the way it's curved, you know, it really makes it easy for you to kind of flip stuff, show off to your friends, and all that stuff. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's what I would recommend when I when it comes to kind of any Asian equipment.
0: Okay. And like you were saying, too, that's kind of then your one-shot cleanup. I mean, you can cook most, if you're doing a fried rice, you can cook most everything in that wok, right?
1: Fried rice, stir fries, you know, the broccoli beef that everyone likes. You can do it all in that one thing. Um, I mean, it... one pan. One pan to
0: clean. I like that. There you go.
1: I I don't know when it started, but I feel like Asian food has really, really come alive.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. in the... uh and we'll we'll get to this later, but the the fusion aspect of it too. I mean, you see it mixed with a lot of different stuff now. Um, when I lived in LA, it was the joke was that you could never everything was fusion. You could never just have a restaurant that was one thing. So it was always like a uh, like Mexican Korean fusion or stuff like that. You know, it was never kind of just like a Mexican restaurant. Um, so it's being mixed a lot of different stuff. So that's another thing
1: about Asian food is it's become trendy to yeah. go to have Asian food. So a lot of the stuff that you want, you can. You can get at regular stores you can get your you get cilantro you can get basil you can get hoisin you can get oyster sauce sriracha um and i swear to god everyone has sriracha in their pantry nowadays like everybody it's it's like their ketchup
0: how did that happen i don't know
1: like everyone has it
0: Uh, i don't know a single person who who doesn't like sriracha isn't everything now i mean it's like people on everything i know people put on their bagels
1: oh yeah well i mean look at all the fast food joints nowadays you know sriracha mayo i think they even sell sriracha mayo in stores now rather than people before like oh yeah i had the, i made this beautiful aioli with sriracha <laughs> yeah. and mayonnaise it's like you just go buy it at the store now
0: all right so let's talk about you a little bit so where were you before and how did you kind of get here and what was your what was your path like what's here
1: kind of interesting and it's the right time at the right place is pretty much how it happened to me so i was in culinary school about 5 years ago never never worked in a restaurant going to school at La cordon bleu in pasadena um And the Roy's in Pasadena was literally right across the street.
0: From your school? From
1: my school. So I had a homework assignment because in culinary school back then you had to do culinary assignments as well as academic assignments. So one of my academic assignments was to go stage or pretty much intern at a restaurant for an evening and then write a paper about it. And I was asking my chef instructor, where do you think I should go? And she goes, well, I know the chef at Roy's, you know, him and I had done some stuff in the past, give him a call and see if you can do it. Call him up, yeah, he's like, sure, come in. I go in there and a little intimidated, you know, cause I've never really stepped in a professional kitchen and usually I've heard all these, you know, these nightmare stories of these chefs who throw stuff and yell at you and hit you and all this. So I'm like, great. <laughs> so I get in there and the first thing he asked me was, you know, yeah, knives. yeah I have my knives. Okay, I need you. I want you to cut these onions. I want you to cut this basil. I want you to cut these chives. I'm like, okay, great. I'm, like, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, I'm just starting to learn how to cook. My my knife skills aren't that great. and I'm sitting here going to try to do this. So I'm cutting the onions, cutting the chives, cutting the basil. And he goes, all right. How about you come back tomorrow night? We'll we'll stage and you know we'll go from there. I'm like, okay, great. So I go there the first night, you know. They're they're loud. They're yelling. You know, it's it's so much different than what culinary school really prepares you for. Culinary school, you have five hours to talk talk about the food, prep it out, and then do it. Where in the restaurant industry, I mean, you got to go. Yeah. You don't have an hour. You have five minutes. So I, I work there uh, that night, and then at the end of that, they're like, "All right, nice job. Come back tomorrow." I come back tomorrow, and he's like, "So how do you feel about? Uh, would you like to Would you like to work here?" I'm like working. I, I, well, I mean, I, I guess I'm not really looking for a job. Um, they're like, well, we just had a couple openings, and what happened was they had two line cooks walk out the day before I started in the middle of service, so they're they were down line cooks, and I'm like, sure, why not? You know, I'll I'll start working in a kitchen and go to school at the same time. You know, I figure that's only going to better my career, and you know, I actually get experience. I'm getting paid for what I'm doing rather than working for free,
0: which is always nice. Which is
1: always nice, and that was it. I started working there and it took me about a year and a half from that point to become a sous chef. You know, when I first started, I was the veg guy. And then I worked on appetizers and the broil station, which cooks all the meat and fish. And after that, I'm like, you know, I, I kind of want more. I'm, I'm loving what I'm doing. And I became a sous chef. And then I was a sous chef in Woodland Hills for two years. Okay. And then I got a call from Roy uh, about a year and a half ago. Roy himself. Roy himself. Okay. Uh, because my in my chef and Pasadena and Roy are very, very close, and I was getting a little frustrated with Woodland Hills, um, based on you know the clientele. They're very difficult. They're very picky. And I wanted to do some cool, modern food, and I really didn't see a whole lot of growth for myself within this company. Okay. So he calls me and goes, "Hey, I have a positioning open up at the Roy's in Pebble Beach." Oh, great, Pebble Beach! You know that's awesome. I go up there, I I stage again, then I you know come back down, I feel like I did pretty, pretty well and I feel like I was I was gonna get offered a position up there and then I get a phone call from the director of chefs here at Roy's and goes, hey, you're being considered for the the chef partner position in Rancho Mirage. So I was like, oh man, what am I gonna do? Do I wanna take a position in Pebble Beach or do I wanna take a position in, in the desert? Because at first I never wanted to come to the desert. Okay. Ironically enough, I was out here two years, uh, two years ago when I was trained to be a sous chef. The chef out here offered me a position as his sous chef I didn't want it. I didn't, I didn't like the desert. You know, I'm from Malay. I like the busyness. I'm, you know, money, as many people will not believe me, I actually kind of miss the traffic nowadays. No. I kind of do. <laughs> I kind of do. It's just, it's...
0: That's Stockholm syndrome. That's unhealthy. You yeah. You can't miss that traffic. <laughs> it's just, it's so, it's
1: so slow out here sometimes where I, I need that that busy go, go, go. I need that road rage sometimes. <laughs> um, but I'm like, okay, so, yeah, I didn't want to be there here. So I, I took the position one in and then... Back to where I was before, I was thinking, do I want to be in Pebble Beach or Ranch Mirage? Well, Pebble Beach is six hours away from my friend's family and fiance, and it's as expensive, if not more expensive to live there than l a and then, down here in the desert, I'd be getting paid the same, but the rent is remarkably cheaper, so I can actually save some money you know and start building a career and building equity and possibly buying a house, you know. I just turned 30 this year. So I figured, you know, if I can do all this, you know, before I'm 30 or early 30s, I feel like I got a head start on life and I'm only an hour and a half away from my friends and family. So, you know, I'm like, all right, I'm going down to the desert. Plus, I like to golf. So, I mean, I got plenty of options here to golf and I took the position down here and I haven't looked back since. I mean, other than the seasonality, how slow it is, which can be frustrating at times. I love the people. The people are very, very nice. Not just the people I work with, but just the people who live out here in general.
0: So, uh, But you wouldn't have gotten down here if it wasn't for those line shifts quitting. That's,
1: no. No. Isn't mean, it funny I, how that works out? I never anticipated working for a restaurant like this. I've, I had eaten at Roy's one time prior to working there. And it's funny. A lot of people have a hard time finding a job, and I wasn't even looking for a job. Yeah. It just kind of fell into my lap, and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. So... Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good.
0: <laughs> uh, it's, it, so that leads us into the other thing I wanted to talk about, which is just Roy's is a chain, right? I mean, there are there are how many are there? Uh, I want to say there's thirty
1: nationwide, okay. Not including the ones in Hawaii, because the ones in Hawaii are owned, spe- you know, directly
0: by Roy. Okay, so I'm, I'm just wondering how that works as a cook, because you're you seem like somebody who kind of likes to experiment here and there, and you like trying new things, and but you at the same time you're also this isn't necessarily your own kitchen, right? I mean, you sort of have, maybe it is, I don't know. I mean, do you have, what are these guidelines like? I mean, do you have, is the menu set? Do you get to change it at all? What do you, what's your sort of freedom here?
1: So every Roy's that's part of this, uh, uh, under the corporate umbrella has a core menu that we have to abide by. Okay. Now, we also have what's known as a chef's page, where we have our own page, where we can come up with four to five appetizers and four to five entrees, whatever I want. You know, yes, I do have to get it approved so I can't, you know, go get some crazy product and bring it in. And, But, I mean, at the same time, I am allowed to. So, for a period of time, I was running legitimate Wagyu beef from Japan. Guarantee you, I was the only restaurant here in the Valley that was doing that.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I really wanted to, you know, give these people something different, something they've never had before. Something that you really, you can't find anywhere. Mm. I mean, yeah, you can go to L.A. and do that. You can go to Vegas and find that, but... I want people here to try that, you know, because I I feel like I'm a very progressive chef. I like to you know press the envelope and, and you know do a lot of different things. It seems like a lot of my clientele are very simple. They're very traditional. They like a lot of basic things, and I like to take those basic ideas and and plug and play with different kinds of proteins, vegetables, sauces, and things like that. Because when I was younger, very picky eater. I didn't eat a lot of stuff. I hated mushrooms. I hated a bunch of vegetables. And once I actually gave them a chance, I'm like, oh wow, this is some really, really good stuff. Um, like for instance, the food and wine festival, yeah, I had the chicken wings, but I also had octopus. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are afraid of stuff like that. But if you do it in a way, and with the proper technique and, and flavor stuff like that, it's delicious. And you can, you can make it great. And you can really convert someone into someone who is very reserved and reluctant to try new things to, you know, like, oh, if, you know, if, if I can eat octopus, what else can I eat? I can probably try something else that's really good.
0: So you hook them. You make it relatable. You hook them, and they're sort of more willing to try other things. Yeah. Okay.
1: So, I mean, that's, that's what I like to do. Now, with corporate, yes, I do get frustrated sometimes because there's certain things I can't do. I can't change um, some of the core items, you know, because some of the core items sell better at different locations. uh uh-huh. You know, so like some of the items here, some of them sell great here, and they don't sell in, let's say, Plano, Texas. Right. Um, so I'd love to be able to change some of those items, but but I can't. But at the same time, it's I appreciate the fact that I can't do it because it's humbled me, and it, it doesn't allow me to get arrogant and be like, well, you know, if it doesn't like, I'm just gonna do what I'm gonna do because my food is better than everybody else's. But I mean, you got you got to give a little, you got to take a little, and it, it's it's frustrating, but at the same time, it's it's worth it.
0: Well, you probably learn a lot. I mean, so you have your you have your chef's page, and that kind of gives you the freedom to do whatever you want. I have to imagine, too, you're also, you know, you're relatively young, right? So you're still kind of learning, I'm assuming, and you're probably picking up a lot from somebody like Roy, right? I mean, that's probably a great resource for you. I know he's, you know, got a ton of restaurants to worry about, but um, I don't know. I mean, do you get to kind of like soak anything up from him? I mean, does he come around? Do you get to kind of pick up stuff?
1: No, he doesn't really come out to the desert too much anymore, but when I was in Pasadena in L.A., he would come by a lot. Uh, And yeah, absolutely. And yeah, he he teaches you, and it's really the small things when it comes to Roy. Yeah, there there are certain techniques that everyone needs to know, but one of the things that he told me that I'll never forget is the status quo. Never be the status quo, because you become the status quo and then you're forgotten about. Um, And finesse. Always have finesse with your food. Don't just plop it on there, you know. Take the time, take the love and the care to do that, you know? Every chef will, who was ever passionate about their food will always ask their line would you serve that to your mother? You know, and if the, ans- if the answer is no, then why would you serve it to anybody else? Have, take pride in what you do. Finding the small little details that are, are gonna separate you from, you know, Joe Schmo over here to this great chef. Yeah, I mean, and the modern techniques that, that he's been able to pass on to me, you know, molecular gastronomy, things like that which is seen to become more and more popular. You see that with foams and powders yeah. and snows but there's, there's more to it than that. It's not just those techniques, it's, you know, vide is another item, which which actually has been around in Europe for 30, 40 years. It's only just become popular here in the States now. But yeah, anytime Roy's around, I follow him around like a lost puppy. You know, Anything that he can teach me because he's had so many years of experience, and, and you're right, yeah, I am very, I've only been professionally cooking for five years, which is nothing in the yeah. long scheme of things. Um, I feel like I'm very fortunate to have great teachers, which is why I am in the position that I'm in. You know, When I go and I touch tables, they're like, they're surprised, they're like, how are you the chef? You're, yeah. so, you're so young. It's like, yeah, I'm young, but I've also worked very hard and I've had great teachers, which is more important than working, I mean, I'm not saying, it's not more important than working hard, but in combination with that, it's allowed me to get where I am. And with food, you will never know everything about food. It, it doesn't matter how knowledgeable you are about fish or produce or or meat or how to fabricate something or how to make a sauce. Food is constantly changing. And you really have to kind of reinvent yourself and reinvent your food in order to keep your business going.
0: It's probably a lot easier to do that when you have the, I don't want to say security, but, you know, the kind of established brand of Roy's and Roy Yamaguchi and sort of all of his everything that he's done in the last however many decades and then you kind of get to come in and you get to experiment a little on your own but then you have this kind of structure set up and then that gives you the freedom to you know you can always rely on that structure you can always rely on your base but then you also get to kind of toy around a little bit while you're learning i mean i don't know as a young chef i feel like this is a pretty good situation to be in oh it's it's it's, i'm very fortunate to be in here i think you'd rather have this in your own than sort of your own stand at this point right at at this point in my career
1: yes because i'm still learning how to operate a business how to run a restaurant and to you know swallow my pride and to give the guests what they want rather than give the food that i want because yeah like i said before i want to do modern style food but i have to know my clientele and what i love about this company it is has allowed me to you know i don't want to say use them but use their resources to further my knowledge and my career you know because yeah i could have I'm not saying I could have, but let's say I had the funds to my own restaurant, I wouldn't be able to experiment and to play around. I'd have to be, you know, on point, and very precise with what I'm doing because I, I wouldn't have the financial resources or the equipment to to play around and do something different and take a chance. We're here with Roy's. It has allowed me to, yeah. There's some dishes that I've created which haven't sold very well, but and haven't been very good. But that's that's great. I've learned from that. You kind I've, of need that. Yeah. You know it's it's like you said earlier it's, it's trial and error Yeah. you know being a being a baseball player all my life you know it's a it's a game of failure you know if you if you get out seven out of ten times you're still batting 300 which is which is still good so you have to be able to accept your failures to really enhance your your success and you have
0: to be able to hit some singles in order to get some home runs right yeah absolutely yeah Chomp is a Desert Sun production. The team includes Ashley Hopkinson, Sarah Day-Owen, and Kate Franco. Caxton, the great local Coachella Valley band, wrote our theme music, so thanks to them. I'm on Twitter, at Everett Cook, and if you like Chomp, subscribe on iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts. It helps other people find our show. I'm Everett Cook, you've been listening to Chomp.